catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. On Friday, the 11th of March, 2022, I asked four young Nigerians to share their thoughts on how to get young people to vote or get them involved in elections and the electoral process, starting with the continuous voter registration that was ongoing at that time in Nigeria. I had a public policy analyst from Nigeria's Southeast region, a female contestant in Nigeria's capital, and two young program officers from the non-profit civic hub Yaga Africa. You can listen to that conversation again by searching for how to get young people involved in elections on our website or on other popular podcasting platforms. Now, the registration process has ended and there were a total of 93 million eligible voters in the voter register after the final cleanup that included the removal of double registration and underage voters. According to the Independent National Electoral Commission, INEC, the total number of eligible voters rose by over 9 million, that's about 11.3% from the 84 million recorded in the 2019 general elections. 37 million or 39% of voters are between the ages of 18 and 34, while 33 million or 35.7% are middle-aged persons between the ages of 35 and 49. Also, it's important to note as we have this discussion that students make up the largest category at 26 million or 27.8% of all registered voters in terms of occupational distribution. These numbers sound very wonderful until I also share these with you. From local councils to state and federal elections in Nigeria in the past three general elections, which span a period of about 10 years, the country has narrowly seen 60% of voter turnout, despite adding considerable numbers of voters during the registration process. Even with the 60% youth population who make up more than 53% of registered voters in the country, youth voter apathy is still a major issue in Nigeria. While some people will argue that 2023 is a very different year or will be a very different year and a defining moment in Nigeria, which would be youth-driven. In this episode, I'm asking... Nigeria's 37 million registered youth voters. Will this be real change or just numbers? I'll be discussing with four young Nigerians again, this time just before the elections. First is the senior reporter at Premium Times Nigeria, Amaka Okafo. Hi, Amaka. How are you doing today? Hi, Anthony. I'm very well. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's just a few days to the election. If the first set of elections will not be postponed in Nigeria, and I feel excited. How do you feel? I don't know if I'm feeling excited, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I don't, I can't wait for this to, for us to get done with this and move on with our lives. Mm, okay. Do you think that this election, the 2023 election, is a defining moment for youths in the country, just for youths? Absolutely. Absolutely a defining one. And I would say so from starting from the participation. We have really had, you know, this kind of participation from young people, political participation from young people. Our interests are in so many things, but politics, you know, we've always left politics for the old dogs or the old guards, however we want to describe them. You know, we've always said it's their thing. You you rarely find a gathering of young people before now where the conversation will be around politics or policies, you know. So, but we see that now young people are aggressively involved, emphasis on aggressively. So it's a different one, an entirely different one. We want to make sure that we are part of the conversation and our voices are mainstreamed in the conversation. So yes, absolutely. It's a different one for young Nigerians or young people in Nigeria in terms of the kind of participation we we, we are seeing. Now, it's a different ballgame altogether if 
our voices the advocacy we've seen around voter registration and pvc collection we translate into people queuing up at the polling unit on saturday if the elections will hold on saturday that's a different ball game but is it you know a different dispensation like we'd like to say for young nigerians when it comes to politics yes it is an entirely different dispensation and i like to describe the 2023 election as what will become the most sought after i hope that's that's the right expression now the most sought after or the most anticipated yes that's what i'm looking for the most anticipated national elections nigeria has seen in its recent democracy um, since 1999 yeah thank you very much Shamako Kafo. Now, we also have on this discussion a public relations and political enthusiast, Abdul Ghaniu Issa. Ghaniu, how are you doing today? How excited are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Good morning, Anthony. On a scale of 1 to 10, I think I'm excited. Is it by the election or being here with you on this program? Well, (laughs) in relation to the elections... Well, well, I'm excited because I believe that it's going to be a defining moment for Nigeria as a country and for Nigerians. I think, well, like you mentioned, we hope that for the first time since 1999 or so, we won't be having this election postponed for no petty reason. However, what excites me mostly is the participation of youths. Though I'm still skeptical about how this will translate, like Chiamaka also mentioned, I'm still skeptical about how this will translate to high turnout of voters. As of this morning, with data available to me, I think we are still anticipating about 40% voters turnout. But well, we look forward to how things pan out. We have today and tomorrow, then Saturday, the D-Day itself. So I look forward to it anyway. Okay, thank you very much. I think we all look forward to it. And I think the whole of Africa looks forward to this election. But for you to agree that, you know, the level of participation, just like, you know, as shared by Chamaka, we've had an increase when we compare it to other election years. What do you think triggered this level of participation? Well, for me, one of the defining factors that we must not take away is the NSAS issue. You understand? I think it was a defining moment for a lot of young Nigerians, regardless of their political divide. So I think it was that particular incident that actually made a lot of people realize that, yes, we have the power. Yes, we have the voice. Yes, we can come together to see to change that we actually want. And uh, we can also not deny the fact that the Japan crisis is one that a lot of people are tired of. A lot of people want to actually take by their country, regardless of their political divide. So you would also see that um, apart from the voters register, you see that um, since the not too young to run the um, has been passed in 2019, you know, we have youths coming out to also say, okay, I want to actually buy for this office. Well, while their chances may be slim, I think it's a good way to start. Rome was not built in a day, and I know we'll get there. But more importantly, I think I would be so glad if youth come out and, you know, they channel that their energy from, you know, the NSAS and post-NSAS, you know, time, if they can channel it towards this election, because they actually need to come out. We've seen elections hold in Ikiti, in Oshun and in Nambra. It was not so, so, so nice, but then I believe that with the way we campaigned, that people should go out there and get their PVCs. I want to believe that this time around, we have lesser youths playing football on election day and, you know, coming out to vote on the election day. Well, so that's it. Fingers crossed we would have more youths actually queuing and ensuring that their votes count on election day. I also have on the call a media consultant, Njideka Agbo. Hi, Njideka. How are you doing today? Hi, Tony. I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, I'm excited, like I said. Uh, like I don't know. How excited are you, Njideka? I don't know if excitement is the word. I think it's anxious. I'm anxious about the outcome of the elections. That's, that's what describes my emotions about it. Do you think we did anything different or differently from what we've been doing in the past to get youths engaged and to get them participate, not just in the voter registration, but the education that everyone has been giving themselves so far on social media and whatnot? Did you do anything different or is it just a situation that has you know, made people, especially the youths, to actively participate in this process so far? 
Um, I don't I don't think anybody needs to educate anybody at this point in our lives as Nigerians on why we need to vote. As individuals, we've experienced several things in the past eight years, particularly in the past eight, eight years. In what is supposed to be a government, you know, that promised change, we've witnessed um, two recessions in the past eight years, um, unemployment crisis is on the rise, you know, like schools are on strike. So even, even students that would have, you know, like been less bothered about it have also even had like a fair share of what has been going on in Nigeria. And then there was the NSARS. So even if you were not convinced about one of these things that has happened, one of them was definitely going to push you to decide to want to vote. I think like especially the NSAS actually showed Nigerians or youths rather that elections have consequences and the protests that we held at the time we saw how the government reacted and I think we now came to the realization that if we don't do anything collectively nothing is going to change and the only way you know like we can actually take our anger is by going to the polls so I think that was what happened I think it was people educated themselves by themselves because of what was going on in society Okay, that's a very interesting take. And we'll move on to the fourth guest today, who is a human rights activist, Femi Adeyeye. How are you doing today, Femi? Yeah, I'm very fine. Thank you very much, Femi. I'm very, very fine. Mm. Thanks so much. Are you excited? Are you anxious as we head into the general elections? Let me first of all say, just like Issa, that I'm also happy to be here. It's interesting that we're having this conversation. But talking about my emotions right now, I will tell you it's a cocktail of the lots. I'm happy that at least at this point in time, the discussion in our political space is now much more about the future of this country. It's about politics. You would, in fact, be asking, that, oh, is BB Niger actually going on? <laughs> because people are not so concerned about what's even, what's even happening on, on TV. It's very, very good. It's a good signal towards what we've been saying all this while, even as activists. I'm excited also, and I'm also anxious. I'm anxious because there are several of these issues that we've raised pre-election matters, matters that have a lot to do with uh, the integrity of the elections, transparency, accountability, we've raised some of these issues. And we've been told by INEC, that's the electoral umpire, that these issues will be sorted and there will be no cause for alarm. So I'm anxious to see if there will be any disappointment from INEC. This time around. What I mean by disappointment is that if they would do what is right for the Nigerian people. So it's, like I said, it's a cocktail of lots. So you have actually been a student leader before now, Femi, and looking yeah. at how heated the polity is or looking at how interested everyone is rather in this process, yeah. uh, do you think these numbers will cause a real change or do you think... It would just be business as usual. Let me quickly say this, and it's not in difference with what everyone has said, but I think I, I just want to bring us to understand what the system is about and what one of their tools, which is election, is also about. I do not think it is absolutely true that young people have not been participating in elections or have not been participating in politics. They've been participating. But it is the extent of their participation that we need to interrogate. I was speaking to some guys some days ago and I said, those who steal ballot boxes, I don't think they are old people. They are young people. And that is participation too. Those who help politicians to do this smart slinging, you know, character assassination on social media, they are young people. It is young people who do media consultants and who do all this image laundry. Yeah, it's young people who do it on behalf of old people. Who are the people who help them manipulate results too? Most of them are not old people. So young people have actually been participating because you cannot tell me that 70% of the population that all of them just went to sleep and they are not interested in what's happening in their society. So it's, it's actually, so young people have been participating. It is just the extent or the kind of participation that we now need to look at clearly. And to talk about these figures that you've reeled out, it's very nice, you know, data, you know, 37 million young voters and all that. Let me make this very clear. 37 million registration is not the same as 37 million having PDCs. These are two different things. So you can have 37 million people who want to register and you can have less than that. Very, very, in fact, way less than that figure who have their PDCs. Some of us, we engage with these people on a daily basis. 
and you find out that even the students that you say 26 million out of the 37 million are students you find out that many of these students even don't have pdcs and it's it's surprising you know when you look at the figures and what's on ground is is different so there are a lot of factors that will be playing out here also to look at that figure 26 million students i do not think we have 26 million students in nigeria i do not think so if you google just right here you'll find out that in our universities we have just 1.7 million students 1.7 million in universities, in colleges of education, maybe to be way less than that. So I don't know where INEC actually got that 26 million figure from, but I also know where they got it from, which is that many of the underage voters in the north, like we've seen when they released the voters register, many of them must have also filled students as their occupation. So if you are now, if you are looking at these figures now, and you are looking at what's on ground through, you know, polls, survey, and all of that, you then be surprised that yeah, 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 is this figure actually translating with what you have on ground? So there are issues, and as I said in my in my lead of that, you know, pre, there are so many pre-election issues that we've raised with INEC. But till today, INEC has not been able to tell us that this is the exact number of people who have PVCs with them. They've not been able to tell us. They'll just give you about 1 million as have not picked up their PVC in Lagos. About it is always about about you know, because we live in a country where we don't even we don't use data, we don't trust data, we don't so I'm saying all of this so that we can prepare our minds. I know we are all excited and we are also anxious, okay? but we can prepare our minds that these figures may not actually translate to what is on ground. Do you get and, and I think that is why this conversation is important. Okay, okay. Thank you for raising these concerns. Now, Chamaka, we were very positive when we started this conversation. What threats or challenges do you see or do you foresee to the issue of low, not just voter turnout, but youth voter turnout on the day of election itself, 25th of February and the 11th of March? I'm sure the issues are not new to us. So there's the problem of violence, which has become perennial in Nigeria. There's always anticipated violence on the day of election. You know, people are concerned for their safety. And I'm sure we've seen the flyer being shared on social media on how to stay safe on election day. It's because we are anticipating violence. That's why we need to stay safe. For instance, in the U.S., whom we look up to, you know, on our practices, the system of government and how we vote and everything, until recently, I'm not saying their system is entirely devoid of, you know, violence, but the kind of violence they see is not, you know, what we go through here. It's different. So there's a, the concern about violence, of course, on election day, people trying to fight. I, I'm not sure people will be so interested in snatching ballots because of the beavers. So even if you snatch the ballots, it's of no use to you because the beavers technology has made things a lot better. That's one. And I think even before we get to election day, is the question of is election going to hold? The cash crunch issue, the first scarcity, INEC doesn't have money for logistics. And you need to transport election materials to the racks, to the polling unit, you need to mobilize transporters, you need to pay ad hoc staff. Where is INEC going to get all of these monies for to organize logistics for elections day? Of course, for people to vote, there needs to be ballot paper, there needs to be the ballot box, you need to have the cubicle. And if you don't have all of these things, then how is the election going to hold? That's a major concern. Violence, you know, for the election itself to hold. And I think another concern for me, which is also related to violence, is voter education, our understanding of different scenarios or possible outcomes of the election. So this is the first elections we're having four frontliners or five frontliners, if I may say. So we have five frontliners who have equal opportunities. You know, it's it's too close to call. We can't say, oh, Mr. Z is going to win X or Y. No one can boldly say, oh, my candidate is going to emerge the winner because it is very competitive. This year's election is highly contested. Interests are high, you know, everyone is invested. And you, you if, if you snooze, really, you lose. And then there's the possibility that would go for a runoff. There'll be a second round to the elections because if one person is unable to secure majority of the votes and to third in 25 states, then you know we have to do a runoff. So there's a concern, and I've heard this across board from different people I have interacted with and interviewed with on what this could mean. It's unique to Nigeria, you know, how all of this this aspect of our constitution on a possible runoff and what it takes for one to emerge as the winner of 
a highly contested election like what we're going to see on Saturday, hopefully. Now, the question is, do the supporters understand this part of the constitution? What is our understanding? Because then people just think it's who has, the person who has the highest votes becomes the, the winner of the elections. But that's not the case. So even if your candidate has the highest votes and does not, you know, get to third majority across 25 states in Nigeria, you know, they can't be announced the winner of the election. What would that mean? And a lot of people are going to the polls on Saturday with so much emotions. People are angry. We, we can't get money to buy basic food. People can't transport themselves. You can't buy fuel. You can't do literally anything in Nigeria because you have no access to money that enables you to do everything you want to do. So a lot of emotions and frustrations will be going to various polling units on Saturday. And if this happens to be the case, I fear that people will just, you know, let loose and we find ourselves in a worse state of anarchy than we are in currently. So these are my concerns. Violence on elections day, the cash crunch, the fuel problem, mobility, logistics organization for INEC. That will be a major determinant if election is going to even hold on that day. And if election holds the possibility of a runoff, are citizens enlightened enough to hold their peace until everything is clear and their candidates are substantially announced or declared winners of the election. So these are my concerns on election day. And I think the other thing I'm concerned about, which has to do with young people, is actually going to the polling unit on Saturday. It's not enough to be on social media and rant and express your anger and call people out and cancel people and abuse people, troll people, you know, because you feel a certain way. That's not enough. What will give meaning to your advocacy and your anger is you moving to whatever polling you need, you know, you are supposed to vote in to actually go and vote, you know. So at the end of the day, we defeat the narrative that young people are just keypad warriors. Now, this is the time to prove a point. Oh, are we actually just tweeting from our rooms and sitting back? And we saw this kind of mobilization during the NSAS protest, even though, you know, the movement was infiltrated. But we made a point. We made a mark and it was felt globally. Now, are we going to allow the anger and frustration from NSAS translate into something more meaningful in a democratic process it's my concern i'm just going to pass it back to you anthony oh okay so <laughs> i would have to pass it to ganyu <laughs> i think i'll pass this to ganyu ganyu what do you think <laughs> why did you have to pass it to me <laughs> what do you think uh, what well, is? well uh, before i go there i think there's something Femi mentioned, which is important. When it comes to defining students as regards registration, I think um, it goes way beyond just university or college education students. There are NYSC members, you know, youth core members, and there are people that are unemployed that just, you know, identify as students. I think this is one of the things that INEC also take into consideration because I've been there where a lot of people came to register and, you know, most of them students and they, they most of them have left school or some of them are just finished secondary school and they are yet to get to the university mm -hmm. so i think maybe that is what INEC might actually have in mind to have said that okay so so number of, we have so so number of students registering this year but one thing we must understand also is that elections are like every other contest and there will surely be losers and there will surely be winners so my fear is just um, the integrity of the results we've had issues come up in our show where you have a ruling coming to say that okay they were over there was over voting and you know INEC has made us trust in this process so much trust in the beavers that okay the beavers can catch whatever fraud electoral fraud that you know might occur but then the issue in Oshun has proved otherwise so there's this there's this question about the integrity of the results and it goes way beyond what we have on the beavers it also goes to how are we going to accept the outcome of the elections like chiamaka mentioned you know how educated are supporters of all the candidates so how educated are we about what the electoral act say how well do we understand the fact that elections are like every other contest and the fact that your candidate loses does not mean you should stop being patriotic you should stop be doing the needful as a responsible citizen and apart from that i also have concerns about the education of the electoral officials 
And by electoral officials, I'm even talking of the core members. Because in 2019, I was at the forefront of the elections. And you did imagine that how INEC expects that two days to the election training for electoral officials is enough to equip them to, you know, conduct themselves properly or perform their duties appropriately. So, you know, these are serious issues. And I actually do not have the data now for this year, but I believe that 2019-2023 is enough time for INEC to work on these things. For logistics also is a concern, but reports which may also have in that, you know, INEC seem to have sorted out with CBN. Well, we look forward to how that will pan out. But apart from the fact that I'm concerned about integrity, I think education of electoral officials is actually important because it's enough for you to go out there, queue and then vote. And then we have our votes turn out invalid all. There is um, a kind of manipulation at the electoral, at the polling units because of, you know, the lack of preparedness on the part of, um, you know, INEC officials. So these are serious issues. Then fundamentally, I think one of the core issues that we might also be watching out for is the issue of vote buying. Um, one of those who believe that despite the cash crunch or whatever that, whatever is happening in the country, vote buying will still exist, will still persist. We surely see a lot of vote buying on the election day. How we now tend to navigate that task is what I actually do not know because a lot of people are looking for cash. A lot of people do not even have cash to do the basic things and it's actually an ample opportunity for party agents to now begin to participate in this act. There are, you know, areas of issues that we we have to be concerned about but um, I think the optimism lies in the fact that we've progressed over the years. We moved from the days of ballot snatching, from the days of having INEP officials write results in their rooms, to now taking the fight directly to the polling units. So it seems we are beginning to understand that the voter now has power. So you know that if you don't win at the polling unit, there's no way you can... Yeah, of course, there are ways they can still win, but it is not as easy as it is back then. So I think, like I mentioned, Rome was not beaten the day. But I do really hope that we all turn out and come and vote because it's important. And it's not just only about coming out to vote. We stay, we watch the process, and then also accept whatever outcome and remain patriotic Nigerians. I think that's just the height of it all. So I think those are my fears. One of the issues I failed to mention also is the issue of fake news. I think that is one thing also we need to really watch out for. We'll see results flying in and out on the election day, but we have to be cautious of what we actually shared. So I think issue of fake news also is one challenge we'll have to contend with during this election. So I think, Anthony, oh, those so, are my concerns. Yeah, thank you very much for that. And I hope you took care of what Chamaka passed on to me. I hope you're able to do that. Moving on to Njideka, we've heard from others the fear of the tech during the election or in the process, fear of the expectation and of violence itself, cash crunch, fear of accepting the outcome of the elections, fear of electoral officials, would buy misinformation. What, as a young person, is your, or are probably your first two, three greatest fears as we move into the election? And what should the young people generally be cautious of the most? I think Chiamaka and Esa did a great job explaining all of this. So I just want to add a tiny point or even just say, yeah, and it's about the election. Recently, I was speaking with someone who is also a youth and we were talking about voting at the elections. He was talking about his polling unit, actually, and the polling unit is can get violent sometimes. I mean, it has a history of violence and he was just expressing his fears about going there and maybe going there and maybe people seeing that he's not voting for the supposed pop- popular candidate, you know, and people turning to him, you know. So I think that the violence thing is a real and legit fear. I also think that in a country where we've had the use of words like blood, you know, like the use of words like dogs, you know, baboons and all those things, no matter, if, despite the fact that whether I was taken like literally or contextually, we don't know that, or maybe we know that. But I think that fears like that and the history of violence in particular places is a real thing. So that's what that's what I'm really concerned about. 
Okay. Femi, you wanted to make some comments while Abdul Ghani was still speaking, but I would just want you to also respond to the frontline candidates for especially the presidential election in Nigeria. Do you think based on, you know, what they have shared so far, what their campaigns have been about, do you think that they have somehow reflected the expectations of young people? And do you think that this election will mean anything to the younger generation, you know, whether it goes, you know, positive or negatively? All right, thank you very much. It's it's always a very difficult position to speak last because when especially when you have very brilliant people on, on the panel session. They've said almost everything I listen to said. Jeremaka, thank you very much. That was a very brilliant one. Uh Issa and then Jedika. Let me just quickly add one before I answer your question. Even this question you just asked me is also a very difficult one because I'm a politician. And by defining front line and all that, I would that's another aspect I would want to touch when I get to that point. So, but Chebaka said something that I just want to add to, which is the aspect of snatching ballot box and the reliance on beavers. Okay, that beavers is going to help to check a lot of things. I, I don't want us to be so, so, so over positive. I'm like the prophet of doom here. But I don't want us to be so, you know, positive, so positive about those beavers. Every time whenever we have elections, the ruling class understand how to make us feel good. So in 2011, yes, 2011, 20, yes, that was the time. It was card reader. Oh, this card reader is going to stop, you know, it's going to make us have uh, election integrity. Everything is going to go fine. And that was it. We know better today. So they came up now with Beavers. Beavers oh, is the game changer. But until when it was tested in um, Ocean and this thing almost failed, because I don't want to say it failed. So Beavers is just like CCTV, you know, it's going to tell you who stole. But it's not going to stop stealing. <laughs> that you understand. CCTV will not tell you that, oh, please stop stealing. It will just show you the person who stole. And one thing that politicians, and I'm speaking as a politician, and one thing that politicians are also looking at at this time is to use that lacuna that you have in the electoral heart that has just been invoked with what happened in Russia by cancelling some polling units results and all of that is to also use that to their advantage. So, is it that you go to snatch that ballot box? Because immediately you do that, the election in that case is cancelled. Or you sponsor over voting in that polling units. That's what they are planning now. And I'm telling you, these guys, you're not paying me, but I'm telling you for free. <laughs> you, you just sponsor over voting wherever they find out that, oh, the opposition or their fellow contestant is, he has a stronghold and all that. You sponsor over voting there. So when you sponsor over voting, the electoral act says that that polling unit will be cancelled. So when it is cancelled, that's all. And that is what is affecting Adeliki right now. So I just want us to look at that part. So when you are going back, I know many of us also, you know, we have our favorite candidates. We, we are all partisan. There is no human being today that is not partisan. You believe in a particular cause, that means no partisanship. So you can go back and tell them that Femi Adeliki on the particular radio station said this and he gave us a, a hint into what these guys are planning. So away from that is to then go and look at the candidates and what they've been discussing with the young people. This election has been widely contested, you know, it has been mostly about people you call frontline now, mostly about issues around tribe, ethnicity, religiosity, or Muslim Muslim tickets, so I'm the Christian candidates and all of that. You may not accept right now, but I'm telling you that's the truth. Another thing is to also look at it in the aspect of ideology. There is no difference between all the presidential candidates, these frontline people that you people you call frontline, because I have I have my own candidate and is the only ideological one. I don't want to campaign, but it's the only ideological one on the, on the ballot. So every other person they are saying the same thing. Why do I say that? Ask them what what, what are you going to do about subsidy removal or subsidy in Nigeria? All of them are saying, oh, we are going to remove subsidy. They are saying the same thing. Ask them about education. Everybody is saying the same thing. Oh, we need to increase fees. We need to do a private public partnership. The government cannot continue to fund university education and many other things like that. Ask them about foreign policy. In fact, many of them are prophets of the imperialists. They are not. They don't understand where Nigeria should stand in the international scene. Ask them about. So it is almost the same. And if you ask, and one of them even went on TV and said, "We are di- we are all the same. We are not different. We are just we are saying almost the same thing. Only that." People, what we are trying to sell is trust, so that Nigerians can only trust one person than the other. No, no, no. That is not how it should be in an electioneering season, especially quote unquote in a civilized crime. In civilized crimes, your 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 the ideas should be different. 
So if you're talking about subsidy removal, one person is saying, oh, I'm going to remove subsidy. Another person is saying, no, we don't have to remove subsidy because that's the only thing that Nigerians are at least enjoying for now. Let us fix our refineries. And instead of giving Dango $50.6 billion to build his own refinery, let us fix our own so that at the end of the day, we will not have to subsidize what God has given to us. You know, you take crude oil out of this country, take it out, and then you import just one product while you have thousands of products that you can get from crude oil. These are issues. What about foreign policy? What about healthcare? What about education? But today, it is just the same, the same, the same issues. And then you now list it with different propaganda about, okay, I'm from the East, I'm from the West, I'm the only candidate from the Northeast, or oh, the Northeast has not been president before, or oh, Igbo also needs to be president, or oh, another person says, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> those are just the things that we've been saying. So what this says is that we must become ideological, and that will be my concluding statement on this particular question, which is that age is not political ideology. Although I, I know we enjoy talking about young people, young people, young people. You see, you can have young people who are idiots in power. You can have old people who are wise in power, and you can have old people who are idiots. We've had it in this country before. The governor of um, Kogi State is an example. He's young, but you know what he's doing. So age is not the this thing. It is the idea that this person is actually bringing on how to solve the problems of society. For example, look at this cash crunch issue. The whole thing everywhere is that, oh, Bwari is using it to fight corruption. But how do you create hardship while you're fighting corruption? What you're doing invariably or what you're doing that you don't know is that you are even creating more corruption by making sure that there is scarcity wherever there is scarcity there is more corruption if there is scarcity for anything in this world you will find more corruption in that place because everybody is trying to get that thing look at what's happening with pos operators now they're not going overboard so we'll move on to Injideka. We've had some thoughts by Femi, and these are really valid thoughts, I must say. Injideka, do you think that the issues that will affect young people or that affect young people now have been recognized by any of the candidates contesting for Nigeria's presidential role? And if they have, then do you think that these expectations and these issues will define who wins at the election? And if they haven't, uh, do you think this would in any way affect the turnout of youths at the election? Chamaka, I think you'd go next, and then before Issa, and then we'll go back to Femi. The way I'd like to respond to that question is to say that, you know, Nigeria, we are very great at, you know, creating policies and policy documents. Implementation is a different conversation altogether. But we have great policies as a country, very great policies we have. And of course, issues affecting young people are not different from the issue every other Nigerian faces. Yeah. So the issue of unemployment, it touches everyone. The cash crunch currently is affecting young Nigerians, it's affecting old Nigerians, it's affecting every category of Nigerian you can think of. You know, so it's not peculiar to young people. The issues are multifaceted. It cuts across generations and age groups, so it affects everybody. Whatever issue affects the older Nigerian would also affect the younger Nigerian. So it's not, there's no specific issue per se in that sense that is peculiar to a certain demography. It affects everybody. So we are a collective in that sense, and it affects all of us. Now, would, would it affect the outcome of the elections or how people would perceive or accept the outcome of the election, that conversation is, is a little tricky because we don't have the same aspirations. We don't have the same needs. We don't have the same desires. So, for instance, the outcome of the election might be great for me, but would not be great for Femi. What then do we do at that point? But I guess what we should be looking out for is an outcome that is favorable to a great majority or a large number of us. So, more people the majority really is what's important if the outcome is favorable to the majority of nigerians then it's great that's how i'd like to respond to that question uh, okay and abdul Ghanim, what are your thoughts well for me the concept of ideology um, sells only to a few i think over the years when you look at the elections we've already voted along religious lines or religious lines ethnic lines and more political loyalty even in the political parties <laughs> you will see differences in ideology um you know there's a political party where you have a candidate who is known to be a capitalist but running on a socialist platform then you have parties where they don't even know where they stand 
stand, whether they stand for capitalism or socialism. And you know, trust me, Nigeria is a country that you cannot apply one clear economic principle or political principle, so let me put it that way. We will keep trying and keep trying. That is what will happen in this country. So for me, I think the candidates, the frontline candidates did well in their policy documents when it comes to that. But like Chiamaka mentioned, I think the fear will always come with implementation. For instance, we had this OSIA report or so, and over the years, this is just, I think it's, it's just, the implementation just started last year and it is not even in food. So when, you know, there's this narrative that um, analysts, whenever they come on air to speak, they will tell you that it's not as if governments don't necessarily fund certain studies or don't fund committees to come up with reports, come up with policy documents. But then what happens? They just store these documents after they print out, they just leave it on the shelf. And maybe when it's political season again, they go back there and bring it out. So I think it's not about the reports now. It's about we understanding that we have the documents, we have the candidates, we have the party, but then we should not rest with just the election alone. So after the election, we need to hold the government accountable. There are days where National Assembly seats, they have preliminary sittings on bills, and you know, they have to pick people around, not even when they send out, you know, information via the media that, okay, we are going to have a public hearing or so on. So you don't find people attend those public hearings. You understand? Even at our local level, how many of us participate politically? So we can always say that these politicians, they came up with this document, the promise they made, they didn't fulfill the promise and all that. We can always say that. But then at our own local level, how much do we participate also? So for me, it's, it's way beyond the documents. We now understand that we have the power. The power is gradually returning back to us. But how do we build on this? So after the elections, we all need to sit back and understand that we have to participate actively. We have to be there. We have to let them see that you said this thing and we are holding you accountable to it. It's not about just coming on media, having media appearance and, you know, saying that the government said this. No, at your local level, how much are you invested at the local level? How much do you question your, your local government chairman? The local government chairman gets fund for allocations from the federal government for so and so. But then this money ends up in the state coffers, where it will now be reshared again. So how well do you question your state governors beyond Abuja? How well do you do this thing? So for me, documents looks, you know, awesome. I think they speak to a lot of issues. Yes, approaches to how to solve perennial problems are different. But then it's just pure English, trust me. It's just English, coin words together a lot of graphical representations and all that. You find them in the documents. But then the issue that we're talking about, the implementation, it also comes with us also not participating properly. So post-election, I think it's important that youth need to understand that you cannot just continuously sit back and say that the government is not doing well and say that this is not going all right and say that they are not speaking to issues. When you yourself, you are not participating appropriately. So I think these are just the things we need to understand. Document is properly fine, but we need to be cautious of implementation. We need to really take it serious, whoever wins. Okay, so we just have about five minutes to wrap up this conversation. And Njedeka, why do you think young people should come out to vote? And this is like on a final note, you speaking to as many young people as you can on why they need to participate and why you think this time, not next time, not before, is very crucial and important to the young generation now and the younger generation like those even below the voting age. Like I said earlier, elections have consequences. I think that this 2023 elections is even more crucial than ever because a lot of things are on the brink in um, the Nigerian society, um, the economy, the healthcare system, and even the, the Japa thing is on the rise. So I think that elections is the only opportunity that quite a number of people will have to choose someone that they feel would represent or that have ideologies that would help change or effect the change or have the impact that that they've always desired to have. I mean, like, we're, we're not hoping on a miracle, but at least we can start off by voting to effect the change that we want. Mm-hmm. And Femi, thank you very much, Njideka. Femi, you're not, uh, I- I'm not sure you share the sentiments that, you know, this is a defining moment. So how would you encourage young people to vote? And how do you think, if at all, you know, you agree that this one will bring about any change whatsoever for the generations, even those yet unborn? Let me say clearly that I do not actually believe 
that this is a defining moment, like you said. And I, I mean it because we've always had defining moments. 2011, defining moments. 2015, defining moments. If 2015 was even louder than this, if we were oh, all over the place for Buhari, we were doing quote-unquote crazy things for Buhari. Oh, Buhari is the revolution that is needed. It is the you know, change most time has come. This is because everybody just wanted the corruption of Jonathan out of place. So people did not actually you know, interrogate the change mantra. Oh, what kind of change are you bringing? What are the policies? What are, no, people did not. It was just like, it was driven by emotions. Do you get? And I'm also seeing the same thing this, this time around. There are quite a number of things, like Issa said, oh, that are in that document and that they look fine. For us, there are some things in that document, in these documents, that are actually, they don't look fine because they do not address the issue holistically. Many of these things are just a rehash of some of the neoliberal policies that are already in place. So if you're coming to say you want to change the system, change it with policies that are not the same as the policies that you have on ground. It's as simple as that. But what we've seen is that you just use grammar to change the wordings of the same thing that is already on ground. So I I do not see it as a defining moment. What I would say is what it has said. Elections have consequences. And you cannot sit on the fence at this time. Even if you're voting the craziest of persons, please go out there and vote. And so that it will be clear that you made a particular choice. And when the consequences of that choice of yours comes, you know, like uh, a friend of mine would say, don't confuse thunder. So that when we start sending thunder to you, the thunder can locate you because you were part of those who brought what we have to us. So, election is going to determine if young people would still spend nine months at home as a strike. It is the choice on Saturday that will determine that. It's going to determine if you're going to spend maybe three years extra for a four-year course. It's going to determine because of COVID, because another pandemic can come up. And if you don't have leaders who are foresighted, you will still be in one position like we have now. It's going to determine if farmers will go to their farms and they will not be killed on their way back home by killer headsmen. It's going to determine if 22 million kids who are out of school will ever see the walls of a classroom in their lives. So it's going to determine if 2 million IDPs that we have scattered all the country, all over the country, if they would ever go back to their communities. So it's going to determine a lot. And for the brain drain thing, even those countries we are running to, they are getting tired of us. If we don't fix Nigeria, xenophobia sounds like oh something like it's not good and all that. But you must understand the economic implications of some of those things. One day, people going to Canada, going to many of these countries, will be reminded. I mean, Nigerians over there will be reminded that this place is not your country. Go back and fix your country. So, if you the Japan is quote unquote maybe good for now, but the next four years may not be. The world is evolving. And there are a lot of crises everywhere. So if we don't fix it, you may not have a home to return to. Let me hold for that. Thank you. Okay. So while we do not support violence, yeah, some will agree that political participation has improved over these years that we have all been saying, you know, this is a time. This is a time. And that maybe, just maybe, we are on the rough road to heaven. I'll let Abduganyu and Shemaka react to that with their own closing thoughts. Abduganyu, what do you think? Well, I think I will just say it again. We all need to come out and vote. We'll have enough time to play our FIFA, our PES and our football matches. But we only have that Saturday to come out to cast our votes. So we should leave whatever we have. It's just going to take maybe half a day or so. I think it's important we understand that when we queue to vote, we can have the bragging rights. We can eventually speak to power properly. But when we decide to sit idly or play around, because we believe that whatever we do does not have consequence, I think by the next four years, that's 2027, it might be too late before we realize that we should have voted. So please, everyone listening, come out on Saturday and vote your conscience. Thank you very much. Interesting. Chamaka, final thoughts. It's always darkest before dawn. I mean, this is not the darkest, right? Perhaps we're getting to the darkest days. I'm not a prophetess of doom, but if it gets worse than wow, this, Maka, what, what could be darker? What what could be darker than this? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, so if it, if it gets if it gets darker than this, then we might as well just migrate to hell and take permanent seats oh, there. <laughs> so it's important you come out and vote because then, like Gani said, you have the right to ask questions. 
or cry on the streets of Twitter or whatever street you choose to cry on about how terrible the incoming government will be or is or might be. Hopefully, we don't have a terrible government. But you need to come out and be a part of the decision makers. Don't sit behind your keepers or think that you know your your life is more precious than that of anyone who is going out so oh i don't want to die you and all of this kind of funny things and comments we make you know so it's it's important that we, we come out to vote as young people as nigerians as people who are citizens of this country so patriot and lover of country in the end even if we take citizenships in other country there's still going to be nigeria in us whether we like it or not so we have to fix this country and it's on us every generation has a responsibility and a purpose what they must fulfill and generations before us have done their own they've done their bit i always like to say that the purpose of this generation before us was to take power change the dynamics of their time when we had nuns and nuns still functioning as you know a body that spoke truth to power and you know, revolted against bad governance in nigeria a lot of the people we see today who are part of this government the current government that we are complaining about in different corners were people who stood up to bad government during the military era and took you know their destiny or the destiny of their own Nigeria in their hands and changed it, it worked for them. And in fulfillment of their own purpose as a generation was to destroy it so that we will have a role to play, we'll have work to do. So our work is well cut out for us and this is our purpose as a generation. So it's either want to sit on our butts and do nothing and have the next generation also come and say stuff about us, about how lazy a generation we are and not wanting to put in the work. And putting in the work starts with, you know, being knowledgeable, going to the polls, understanding issues for what they are, you know, devoid of sentiment. That is a big challenge. Sentiment, sentiment. We don't we don't address issues objectively as they should be addressed. And this is a generational problem. This generation, our generation has that problem of understanding issues and tackling them the way they are meant to be. And so oftentimes we leave the issue and attack whoever is delivering the message. So it's important that we own our purpose as a generation and change, you know, change and own, make our own Nigeria so that there can be something worthwhile to be quick to the other generation. I'll close by saying that if we are tired of what we see, it's only right for us to step up to the challenge. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. So Femi, please, we just have a few seconds. So spend like uh, 10 seconds. Okay, please. I raised, yes, yes, just 30 seconds. You know, when we did the car, mentioned something about queuing so that that just brought it the people in the other rep brought this line to my head mm -hmm. you see you just have to choose your queue this time around so if you're not queuing to vote you may you would end up to queue for cash you will queue for well endlessly so my final message is that choose your queue on saturday okay 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 so that's how we end the conversation for today just for today but then this conversation this conversation will continue wherever you are after here if you're a nigerian if you are in nigeria whether you registered or not to vote whether you have a pvc or not whether you vote at the elections or not whether you're even interested in nigeria's politics or not these are all choices and by the end of the elections you would have made your bed and it'll be time to lie in it. Remember also that this does not end at the polling units. But then let's keep that conversation for another time after now. Thank you very much, Chiamaka Okafo, a senior reporter at Premium Times. Thank you for sharing your thoughts today. And thank you to Abdul Ghaniu Issa, a public relations and political enthusiast. Thank you, Ghaniu. Thank you for having me, Anthony. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Njideka Agbo, a media consultant. Thank you. I literally dragged Njideka to this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> and also, finally, human rights activist Femi Adeye. Thank you very much for joining in. You're, you're welcome, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.